Good afternoon, Alethea. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm great. Are you staying safe, everything like that? Yes. So awesome, so happy about that. Oh my God, happy for your safety. So <laughs> um, I'm on an eight-month hiatus from this podcast. The last time I posted was actually October 30th. Oh. I like to keep people on their toes so they don't oh. expect it. You know what I mean? Um, I actually think I did a Hanukkah one, so that's a lie. Five months from December. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's still a very long hiatus. I I think I missed the Streamy Awards deadline. Right. I think I have to have at least 10 episodes for that. <laughs> and over 20 watchers. <laughs> and I have neither. Um, so, we're here to talk about your play, No Exodus. Woo! <laughs> I know. Yay. Her play. I did read the script, and it is an amazing play. I'll have to tell you that. I could, that, that script was very good. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I mean, I did have several edits you could make right now. Oh, okay. If you wanted to jot them down really quick, I can text well, you let's after. Do it. Let's do it. Okay, I'll text you after. Okay. I don't want to waste the time. <laughs> um, so, how about you explain your play? It's best if you word it. So, how about we? <laughs> what right. is No Exodus? Yes. So No Exodus is a play about a mother and a daughter. Um, it flashes back to the 70s, and it takes place in the 90s. So about half of the play takes place in each decade. Um, the, in the 90s, they're having a Passover Seder. Um, the mother and daughter have both invited guests. The daughter invites her two friends, and the mother invites her former bandmate. Um, and we keep flashing back to the 70s because we learned the mother was in a one-hit wonder 70s band, um, which explains why she doesn't really want her daughter to go pursue art. Her daughter is really interested in painting. Um, she went to a Jewish art camp over the summer and acquired a new interest in painting. Um, and so she brings her friend from camp who lives in Toronto to try and make the case to her mom that maybe pursuing an art in college wouldn't be so bad. So over the course of the play, things get more and more intense, and it comes together when we find out exactly what happened um, in the mother's past, and when uh, the daughter makes the final case for why she, she should pursue art. I absolutely did love this story when I was reading it. I was like, this is so much of Alethea. Like, I could tell who wrote it when I was reading it, even though, like, <laughs> I was like, this is Alethea. But, um... And I have to also say, I just love the names in your story. Like, those are names. Oh, great. I use the name Carmen for literally everything I ever write. So when I, if I'm ever famous for writing, people will be like, he just uses the same names over and over again. <laughs> um, I do adore those names, though. So how did you come up with this story? Like, did it just come to you? Or is it from past, any past endeavors? So, yeah. Um... I went to BEMA, which you also went to BEMA. Yeah, um, I think we went together, did we? <laughs> <laughs> so after my first year there, which unfortunately I did not meet you, I, I had not met you yet. Mm -hmm. um, but that was summer 2018, and it was summer before my junior year. And I came home from that experience, and I had just learned a whole bunch of new stuff from my theater teacher, Linda Bachman, who was fantastic. And I'm going to keep bringing her name up because I learned everything about directing from her. I hope she's watching. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I came home with all that new knowledge, and I also was in this sort of transitional point between, mm -hmm. you know, like friend groups in high school and feeling like... 
I was halfway through high school and I wasn't sure how I wanted to make the rest of my experience. And I was really bored over the summer and I was watching this documentary about the mamas and the papas. Um, and I just found their story to be so like dramatic and interesting. Um, and I was like, yeah, I want to write a play about a band. Um, so I started writing a play about a band um, and the, the premise was going to be that there were people getting interviewed who were former bandmates, and it keeps flashing back to when they were actually in the band so that you can figure out what the story was. It never really got anywhere, but I just kind of kept trying, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, I was thinking about Passover, and I was thinking about Jewish holidays, and the Passover, if you're not, you know, you, you don't celebrate Passover, um, it's broken up into steps so there's a number of steps that you take during the seder you know you bless the wine you wash your hands you have bitter herbs you know mm -hmm. um so each step i wanted to make a scene so i combined that passover idea and having like a sort of like family drama with the band idea and i didn't actually notice that the original band idea had became like what it had actually become, like that it had seeped through into this family drama that I was writing. Um, I wrote the first draft of this in a month and it was mm. horrible. <laughs> um, I wrote it, I started writing maybe the last day of August. I finished it on September 30th. Of um, 2019 or 18? That was 2018. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of kept drafting and drafting and drafting um, and then in about March, 2019, my, uh, head of my drama department and I agreed that I would be directing it, um, for this year's spring play. Mm. So I kept revising after March, 2019. Um, and I think I, I finalized it in about November, 2019. Oh my God. Writing a play takes so long, and I think we can both agree that the first draft of a play, I could literally, like, you could delete it. I could delete it. Like, I don't want to look at the first draft of any play. The yeah. dialogue is just so weird when you first write it out. Yeah. Like, you go back to revise it, and you're like, why would they talk like this? Like, nobody talks like this. No right. human no yeah. human talks like this. <laughs> There's a lot of likes. There's a lot of, you know, like, mm -hmm. I. there were so many F-bombs I dropped in the first draft, <laughs> and... It's because I wasn't intending for anyone to really read it. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, they're in a band in the 70s, you know. They can do drugs and say the F word. That's what they do. And it really, there was so much drugs. There was so much, <laughs> uh, you know, like, alcohol. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was very, very different. I find myself doing the same stuff. I'll literally try to, like, I don't know if it's because we're so, we're, we're younger writers that we just try to be so edgy. Like, I don't know what it is in our heads. <laughs> like yeah. we have never done any of this stuff. And we're like, Oh, how about these 14 year olds are addicted to crack? And they right. <laughs> like, what, how would I ever know how to write that? Yeah. So con I want to congratulate you early on putting this on. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And I, it's so sad that it couldn't be on stage. Yeah. I think, but so how is, like, the whole quarantine thing affecting you? Because I know it's going to be virtual now. Right. Yes. So the second they closed schools for about a month, I was very nervous. Mm -hmm. um, they were closing our school until April 14th, and they announced that on maybe March 16th. Um, and our original plan was, okay, 
So we're going to assume we come back on the 14th and we're going to keep rehearsing every day um, to make sure that we're caught up. Yeah, so we really dove into our characters. We did some serious dialogue work. We did a lot of sort of like... um, I don't know, like, like really exploring what the motivations were behind their lines. Mm-hmm. Um, we did that all on Google Hangouts. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> the glitching must have been crazy. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. But it was really awesome at the same time. Like, I felt like it really kind of gave structure, at least to my day. But a lot of my cast members told me that they really enjoyed coming into rehearsal and having social time and mm. getting to see people's faces. And that was really nice. Uh once we hit mid-April, or I would even say early April, because this was before our quote-unquote April break that got canceled, mm-hmm. um, we were like, okay, we need to think of a backup plan if we don't go on stage, because it looks more likely than not that we will not go on stage. So we were considering doing a live Zoom play. I had watched um, Bard College's production of Mad Forest, where they had streamed it live through Zoom, and then some other kind of like code that they had de- developed in a program called Isadora. But like, you know, I don't have access to a professional coding guy. <laughs> um, so I watched that, and I was like, okay, this is possible. So they used virtual backgrounds as their set. Um, they made sure they all had really similar lighting. They kind of looked like they were in the same room. It was pretty heavily filtered, but um, it was believable. And it was kind of awesome. Like, it mm. came out really well. They streamed it on YouTube Live, and I was like, okay, this is a solution. So we were t- throwing around, is it going to be a live Zoom? Is it going to be, like, an audio play? And we settled on recording our scenes through Zoom using the Spotlight feature, and then editing it all together in sort of like this film, like trying to preserve the magic of theater mm-hmm. as much as we can um, in, you know, a Final Cut Pro edited <laughs> format. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's actually worked out uh, like knock on wood. A lot of things have not gone wrong that could go wrong. And, you know, we we were almost done shooting. We're going to be done on Monday. Oh my god! Um, it's bittersweet. Like um, on Tuesday, I was done with three of my actors, and I was like, "Yeah, that's a wrap." Like you know, I'll see you on you know the pump up day that we have on Zoom before the show. Like I'm gonna give you speeches. Like you're going out on stage. Obviously, you're not, but that's it. And that's crazy. Um, but yeah, it's really it's really coming together. I think it's so it's incredibly hard for a, a straight play to be able to do this as opposed to like, um, like in the context of being like, go learn these lines. When, if you were putting on like a musical or whatever, you could be like, go listen to the soundtrack, go watch these videos, like practice, but they can't do this because this is an original straight play. Yes. So like, it's, mu- it's much harder for the actors. So we have to convince the actors, whoever is in the show. I don't know them. Absolutely. But yeah. They are so amazing. I'm going to just start talking about them for a second. Yeah, go ahead. Every single one of them, I've gotten to know them pretty well. They are fantastic. And every day after we're done, you know, recording our little session, I keep the recording going for a little bit because my assistant director and I just start, like, gushing about how amazing they are. Um, They 
really, really committed themselves to this play, and they're really committed to making, like, brave acting choices, putting themselves out there, and, you know, like, this is going to be seen by a lot of people who they probably didn't think we're going to see it. Um, we probably get maybe an average of 60 people to come to our spring plays mm-hmm. per show in a live setting. And most of them are parents. <sighs> so, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for them to get that audience that they've never really been able to have, um, especially when they've worked so hard for it. Exactly. I don't know what it is about straight plays. Musicals will sell out <laughs> 300 people in like five minutes, but a straight play won't even get 30 people in the audience if they advertise for months on end. I don't know. I don't know if it's like some embarrassment of trying to go see live theater, but like, I don't get it about straight yeah, plays. Straight plays are beautiful. Um, yeah, but the actors, congratulations. I don't know any of you, but I hope you watch this. Congratulations <laughs> from me. Um, what was I just about to ask you? Oh my God. Oh my God. So what's your method behind like writing this play or, and like in response to any other play you wrote? Cause I know you've written other plays. Yeah, so this is my only full-length play. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took a lot longer. I'd say that my 10-minute plays, when I write them, and, you know, like, w- none of them I feel like I'm done, done. Like, I'm never going to edit them ever again. Mm-hmm. But when I, you know, say, okay, this is done for now, um, it, it's usually, like, maybe around a month that I write it. Um, this... Again, I was revising for about a year and a half. Um, and yeah, I felt like every time I made a revision, I I would take notes of things that I wanted to sort of layer in for the next revision. Mm-hmm. And then I would just sort of do that with each revision. So there's just a lot. I don't mean like sound like I'm bragging, but there's <laughs> a lot of layers to the play. And sometimes I, you know, I'm directing and I completely forget that you know, like, I layered this thing in, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that makes so much more sense that I think of it this way. Like, I don't want to spoil anything, but... <laughs> yeah, please don't. <laughs> that makes sense to you. Um, yeah, so I would go for these really long walks, like, at night, mm. usually, like, in, you know, September to November, um, and I'd listen to music, and then all of a sudden I had, like, this thought, and I'm like, oh my god, uh, this makes sense because this, and then I write it down in my notes, and then... I go back home and I revise and I l- add that layer in. Yeah. I have a similar method. I do go for long walks, listen to music and think of stuff. But I want to say and to everybody who's not in theater or not into writing theater, that it is so hard the first time around to add so much multi-dimensional like dimensional characters. Like the first, the first draft of a play, your characters are like not boring. Like there's something there, but you do have to draw what that is out. Like you're, no play is done after the first draft. Yeah, no, absolutely. No yeah. play's done after the final draft. Like, you could go back and do stuff. It's just you run out of time. Right. Like, yeah. you could be drafting for years, honestly. People yeah. do. Yeah, no, totally. But what I, I remember what I wanted to say earlier. It was that it must be also about the actors. Like, there's so much you rely on in a live setting. Mm-hmm. Like, how your body's positioned, like, how you connect to the audience, because the actor's job is to convey the story to the audience, obviously. Yeah. And usually you do that by, like, looking at them or, like, acknowledging... Not really acknowledging they're there, but acknowledging they're there, if you get what I mean. Right. No, absolutely. And, I totally agree with you. And it's it's really phenomenal how they've been able to adapt to this mm. new medium. Um, it's also extremely challenging to do it through Zoom because I'll be telling them, okay... 
you know, for example, Sam look look left, but then he looks right, and I'm like, oh yeah, crap. Zoom it has a mirror function, mm-hmm. so every time I think of where I want them to be, I have to think of them. I have to think of them in relation to like if they were sitting in a room with me, where would they be, and who am I if I am that person? And okay, so if I am Sam and I want to look left at Abby. I have to do that when I tell Sam to do that. I have to say right because that's how it's going to look on Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy, crazy, crazy. It says there been any frustration? If I was directing over Zoom, I just think I would have to log off. <laughs> just you that you just log off. Yeah, I'd be like, you know what? We're calling it early. <laughs> I can't deal with this right now. Um, I'd say that. Uh, much of the frustration just comes from my own like scatterbrainedness mm-hmm. and like um you know sometimes I'll have something in a virtual background that I was like oh yeah if I have like my parents wedding ketubah that they haven't <laughs> opened yet and it's in plastic and you know some English teacher's gonna be watching this and going like why did they have a wedding ketubah in plastic what does that mean in relation to the show and so you know I'm like oh my gosh Connie I'm so sorry we have to film your scenes again from this little mm. part mm. with a different virtual background. Um, yeah, there's just so much going on that it's easy to let something slip and then be like, Oh shoot, how do I fix this? Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's been hard, but I'd say that I've been able to try and fix, you know, so far all of the problems we've run into, uh, which is good. Good. And also, you're writing from a very personal perspective, whether or not, like, this story may not, like, relate directly to you, but you're Jewish, you're writing about a Jewish story, I find myself writing about Jewish stories all the time, like, there must be a level of, like, I don't know if it's, like, bittersweet, but, like, it's your final play, and, you ha- and you're trying to express a certain part of your identity, and you just, if I was, if it, I was in your position, I would be like, is this impacting what the story of what I'm trying to put across, yes. because it's virtual? Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of that feeling. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like, I I think that there's a lot of good in it. Like, mm. some of my actors are, like, I wouldn't say surprisingly, but it's a surprise to me that when I found out that they are such, like, um, they, ha- they have such nuanced facial expressions that wouldn't be able to be picked up, um, like, on a, a stage because you're so far away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can actually be fantastic film actors. They can, it's so amazing. Some of them can just, you know, they have these, uh, they have this big stage, you know, musical energy and they can pack it into these little tiny nuanced facial expressions. And it's so cool in terms of like my personal connection to the play. Mm-hmm. I do feel like, yeah, it's crazy. Like I wrote this play, um, through about two years of my life, um, you know, through a lot of, you know, hard times in high school, I feel like I've, I've layered a lot of sort of my frustrations and disappointment with, you know, I, I talk about mental health and mental health awareness a lot, but, um, there's, you know, a lack of it in my community, um, mm. and, I, I wrote about that in another play called Viewer Discretion Advised, but that was very, very, um, you know, like, obvious. You know, yes. the character says, I'm depressed. The entire play is just them trying to uh, hide the fact that the character is 
going through something. Um, but this one, I feel like, is a lot more quiet about it. Mm. And I kind of, I, I'm not going to say that I, I like both plays, but I, I feel like that's more of how I felt um, about my own sort of experience with mental health and talking to people about mental health. Um, and it's both my own experience and also the frustration I've had with people not caring for other people who have mental health issues and, uh, you know, not spreading awareness. And theater is such a great way to express all of that because you have actors who can pull off these multi-dimensional roles and like showcase it to art to audiences, and it's such a great gateway to exp- theater. Is really protest art most of the time. Yeah. Um. What was I going to say? Your storytelling is so amazing. I remember your discussion advice because I taped that, didn't I? Yes, Thanks. you did. I did tape that one. Um. Yeah, you're such a great storyteller, and when I was right. At, like coming from a writing perspective, we have different types of writing. So sometimes, like I'll be like, "Oh, I don't really like this person's type of writing," <laughs> like because it's not like <laughs> it's not like mine. But when I was reading your writing, it was literally like I was glued to it. You're such a fantastic storyteller, really. Oh, I appreciate that. You should. <laughs> <laughs> so I do want to congratulate you on one more thing. Congratulations on Syracuse Theater. Oh, thank you. Honors <laughs> program. Smart. And congratulations <laughs> on also that, um, what was it? Like you, the, oh my God, it's a Los Angeles short theater yeah, production yeah. thing. Yeah, so it's the Blank Theater Young Clarets Festival. Yeah. Congratulations, Alethea, really. Honestly, you're <laughs> such a great playwright. Inspiration, no. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciated. You're welcome. <laughs> So, I think, do you have anything else to say about No Exodus? I would say, yeah, really make sure you come out to see it. Mm -hmm. It's really going to be something. Um, Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel because you'll get notifications for when we go live. It's a premiere, so everyone's going to be watching at the same time and it'll kind of feel like a show, and I love that. Um, And also make sure you check out our GoFundMe. So, this show is a fundraiser. Um, the sort of quote-unquote ticket sales are the GoFundMe. So if you make a donation uh, to the GoFundMe, that's like, you know, you're paying for your ticket. The GoFundMe is for CNY Arts, which is a local organization. Um, Their Young Artist Scholarship helps local kids go to arts camp in my area. Um, And if I had not been given scholarships to go to art camp when I was, you know, from the age of seven to when I went to BEMA, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think I would have wrote this, written this play. And mm-hmm. I don't think that I would have been, had, had this inclination um, to do art. Yeah, it's really amazing. So please do donate, but how much are the, t- hold on, do you need a, to buy a ticket to enter the YouTube live? Because I know sometimes you need no, to No, you do not. Okay. No, you do not. It's a suggested donation. Oh. But okay. it would be great if you could. Yes. yes. If you are able to, please donate yes. to her show, to her fundraiser. So go check it out on YouTube. Follow their Instagram page. You have Facebook too, right? Uh, we do. So Facebook is at No Exodus. Instagram is at No Exodus Play. Yes. And everybody watching this probably does follow Alethea, but follow all of her <laughs> accounts if you haven't. Um, Alethea, I want to thank you so much. You are thank you so much. You are so amazing. I know. Thank you. <laughs> I think I'm going to win the streaming for Best Podcaster. 
Okay. I, I don't know, because I've made zero dollars off of this. <laughs> I guess it's just a side hobby. Okay. <laughs> but I've had such a great time talking to you, and please go watch No Exodus. Please. Please do. It's so amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much, Aiden. Thank you, Alethea. Bye. Bye. Love you. Love you, too. <laughs> <laughs>